Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Go with me, if you will, to Jeremiah chapter 29. Probably a lot of y'all can finish where I'm going. It's the only verse in Jeremiah 29 that we know, right? <laughs> It's the only verse in Jeremiah some of us know. Jeremiah 29, 11. It's on a refrigerator or a bumper sticker somewhere. Hallelujah. It's so good to see you. And we hope that you're off to a great start to your year and getting well situated in what God has for you this year. Jeremiah chapter 29. And... Um, Verse 11, for I know, everyone say, I know, for I know, now this is God speaking, so he says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Aren't you thankful God is thinking some thoughts? He's got some thoughts about you. You know, you you hear people say, uh, you know, don't worry about what people think. We ought to be concerned with what God's thinking, and we ought to know what God's thinking, and we ought to become uh, in tune with what he's thinking because his thoughts toward us are for our plans or for our benefit or for our good. He says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. Man, that is so good. You know, when everything around us is evil, everything around us is falling apart, everything around us is, you know, breaking down. Uh, we see it. I mean, it doesn't matter what news channel you watch, you, you get a glimpse of it. And um, he's got thoughts of peace, not of evil. I love this one, to give you a future and a hope. A future and a hope. That means that there's something to look forward to. That means that there's something that uh, he's doing that we haven't even walked into yet. It doesn't matter where you're at in your walk of life with the Lord. It doesn't matter where you're at in your spiritual walk. There's always a future and a hope. You have, you have not run out your course with God. You, have not, you, you will never finalize or fulfill the full plan that he has for you as in, all right, you know, I, there's no more future left. There's no more hope left. Might as well just bring you on home. No, there's always something else he has in store for us. Always something good. Always something for his glory, for his kingdom. And so we know that God has these thoughts and God has these plans and God has these ways. Uh, the New Living reads it this way. I know the plans I have for you. They are plans for good not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. He's got good plans. And so we kind of touched on this a little bit last week, and I kind of wanted to just uh, just stay in this vein tonight. I don't know why particularly, but it's what the Holy Spirit wants to say. And, and the thought of the availability versus unavailability, amen? And, and the thought of, uh, I want to be ready and willing to walk into his plans, walk into his thoughts. And last week we saw, you know, the, the process of getting more than you asked for. Are you ready for your miracle? Are you prepared for your miracle? And are you prepared for maybe even the challenges that may be on the backside of that miracle? Amen. 
Um, and so there's a, a readiness, a preparation. You know, uh, preparation is a billion-dollar industry. The work that we go through just to be prepared for not even the actual event, but just to be prepared for what can come. I mean, look, you, you, you find out levels of preparation real quick when you read or hear a, a, a news or a weather channel about a storm coming, right? So my first year in St. on the East Coast, 2004, uh, I moved to St. Augustine, Florida from Dallas, Texas. Now, where I live, uh, we have tornadoes. Uh, and, you know, they come in droves. In fact, you could look it up. In 2001, we had a tornado come right through downtown Fort Worth. I'm talking skyscrapers. Uh, I'm talking the tallest buildings you've got uh, in the city. One of them called the Bank One building. The tornado smashed right into it. I remember I was going home from baseball practice that day when this tornado was coming, and they let us out early, and so I'm driving home. Uh, this was 2000 or 2001, one of those two years, and uh, could see the storm coming, so I was like, we got to get home. The next morning going back to school, I had to pass by that building, and you could see the sun shining right through it. Took out every, every window. My dad worked downtown in one of the government buildings down there, and he couldn't go to work for I, I don't know, it could have been at least a week, if not longer than that. He couldn't even get downtown, you just the mess that it caused. Tornadoes, where I come from. But I got broken into the East Coast real quick. Uh, I believe it was August of uh, 2004. I only been there a month, and here comes hurricanes. Hurricanes. And, you know, I had heard about hurricanes growing up, you know, Hurricane uh, Andrew, I think, was one of the big ones in the 90s. Um, uh, there was another one. It was a Spanish name. Was it uh, El Nino? El Nino or something like that came through. I remember there was Saturday Night Live skits about it. Uh, I just remember Chris Farley making fun of it. That's, that's all I know about it. But I, I remember hearing these things, but actually being in it, I mean, Water getting bought up as quick as you can, and, and the, the boarding up of, wind, like, that was a real thing. You actually take plywood, and you mount it to your house and cover windows and, and all this stuff. The preparation for something like that. You know, we will never rise beyond our level of preparation. You can never rise. You, you, when, when the moment hits, when the, when the opportunity strikes, when, when what you've been believing for, you will never rise above your level of preparation. And I believe that we need to be people, if, if God has thoughts for us, you know, so many people hear that verse. It's a powerful verse. It's a dynamic verse. But so, many hear, so many people hear that voice and we have more of this sit back and, oh, he's got good thoughts. I'm just waiting on those, those thoughts to just to, to, to show up in my life. Bring it on, God. You know, one thing I also learned about when I moved to Valdosta, Georgia, was harvest looks a lot different to a farmer than it does to a preacher. Because I had heard about harvest all my life. I mean, we were waiting for harvest, believing, man, harvest season. Har and if you ask any farmer around here, they're like, no. Harvest season is the hardest season. That's the, that, you don't see nothing but grain and fields and, and tractors and, and, you know, sun up to sun down and before that and after that. 
uh, uh, you are working because harvest means work. Harvest means that's what it, the work it takes to bring that stuff in. But anytime I heard harvest, I had a picture of myself with arms open wide. Rain it down on me, Lord. Bring it. Open up the windows of heaven. Pour out a blessing, right? And that's all scriptural, but I want to be prepared for what God wants to do. If he's got thoughts for me, he's got a future for me, I want to be prepared, ready and willing to walk in to the plans that he has for me. Look at Matthew chapter 14. Use a story that we've heard before, and I just want us to be prepared for what God has coming, for what God wants to do. And um, if the world can put as much effort into what they do to get prepared, we ought to be putting in even more effort. One thing that is that my eyes are just really being opened up to, I was just talking with Audrey before service about this, the attack on children. I mean, on, on, on babies. It's just unbelievable. Guys, the enemy does not waste any time. He knows it's easier to pluck up a seed than it is to uproot a tree. He knows that if I can take them out before they learn anything, then, then that's one less I have to deal with and their influence and their impact. Why do we wait so long? Oh, they're not ready. They're not ready. No, I mean, if the enemy can be planting what he's planting in schools and in preschools and in, 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 in households, at the, I mean, the, the, the stuff psychologically that a, a child begins to, to use as a course of action from the age of one, two, the things that they see, the things that they hear, the environments that they're in, uh, the stuff that can take years and mass amounts of finance to unravel and, and to take apart. Why can't, let's get the word in them early, Amen. Let's get the seeds of the word of God because the seed that's watered will grow. So it's this preparation that uh, we need to be um, identifying. Here in Matthew chapter 14, verse 13, Matthew chapter 14, verse 13, it says, when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place. A deserted place. That means isolation. That means obscurity. Deserted means nobody else is there. And he went there intentionally. You would be amazed at the places God wants to prepare you in and prepare you for. And many times we have it backwards. My preparation is where everybody sees and everybody watches and everybody is supportive and everybody's with me. But sometimes it's in places of isolation that are your greatest moments of preparation. Jesus was sent to a deserted place in Matthew chapter four, right after he came up out of the water, baptized by John, uh, filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove. And the first place he goes is not to a pulpit, not to a, a sanctuary, not to a synagogue, not to a crowd, not to a community. The first place the Holy Spirit sends him, the Bible says, the Spirit sent him into the wilderness to a deserted place to be tempted by the enemy. 
not to be tempted to see if he could not trip up, but to be tempted to prove his power and authority over the evil one, over the enemy. And so it's in these places of isolation. Those are the ones that we reject. Those are the ones, oh, I don't want to be isolated. I don't want to be off by myself. I don't want to, but, but, but you can do a lot more with a lot less if you would allow the Holy Spirit to direct you and lead you and guide you. You can. You can do a lot more with a lot less people. You can do a lot more with a lot less resource. You can do a lot more with a lot less money than you think you can. So that's a place of, of being deserted. That's a place of isolation. I, I hear of a lot of athletes that in the preparation, in the practices, in the things, they will do things that will restrict them and limit them physically. I, I've seen some of them, they buy this mask that makes it difficult for you to breathe. And they will wear that while training. Uh, one of them, I think, is supposed to mimic like the mountains in Colorado. And so it's, what do, what's it doing? What's the restricting and the limiting doing? It's strengthening me. It, it's strengthening my lungs to be able to produce at a higher level. Uh, you know, I remember when I've trained for different sports, one thing uh, that I used was this parachute that would come off as you took off running at a full sprint. This parachute would blow, it's all, it feels like someone's pulling you from behind. But you use that to what? Strengthen my legs. So now my burst of energy all of a sudden can go to the next level It's in places of restriction and places where we feel like we're limited that we're actually being strengthened the most. And so Jesus, it says that he goes to a deserted place. Now, let me tell you, it said when Jesus heard it, when Jesus heard what? When Jesus heard that his cousin, John the Baptist, was murdered. That's what took place in the previous verses. I mean, we're talking about a dire situation. We're talking about something where for Jesus... You know, just, yeah, he's the son of God, but naturally speaking, he's, he's feeling pain and anguish and loss and hurt. And so he doesn't find himself surrounded by people that will sympathize with him and, and mourn with him or even, you know, encourage him to, you know, let's rise up against this guy. Let's do something. He murdered your cousin. He murdered our friend. No, he finds himself in a place of, isolation. Not lonely, but alone. There's a difference between loneliness and aloneness. He finds himself alone with God, but he's not lonely, lacking relationship or lacking resource. He's actually putting himself in a position where he can be strengthened, putting himself where he can be encouraged, putting himself in a position of this isolation so that he can be prepared. Why? Because there's still a call on his life. I want you to know tonight that there's something, what, what, what is in you is greater than what's going on around you. And I, we, we go through all kinds of things, all kinds of trials and tragedies, but there's something in you that you still gotta give effort to and still gotta give attention to. And so Jesus finds himself, he knows my ministry's gotta go on. This is the man that, that went ahead of me, went before me, had a call of God on his life, was just doing what God called him to do, found himself in a situation where he ends up having his head taken off, but I've got work to do. And I can't let something else around me be greater than what's within me. So he's getting himself in a position 
of preparation. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude. And look at this. He was moved with compassion for them. He was moved with compassion for them. I heard someone say just recently that Jesus did not display his power for himself. He displayed his power for others. That's why he was moved. See, when you're moved and and motivated by your own power or your own ability, then your focus is on yourself. Look what I can do. But he wasn't moved by power. He was moved by compassion compassion for all those around him. There was another uh, opportunity, I want to say it's in uh, Matthew chapter 9, where Jesus is moved by compassion, looks out on the multitude, looks out on the crowd, and says, they are sheep without a shepherd. Where the disciples saw a problem, Jesus saw an answer. That only comes from preparation. Preparation will actually change your perspective. Preparation will actually change your perspective. You don't look at people hurting and dying and sick and in need and see what Jesus sees unless you have prepared yourself to see the way God sees. Because you'll find out following the disciples just see a problem. They just see an issue. But Jesus doesn't see an issue or a problem. He sees people. And so he's moved by a different motive. My preparation will change my motives. If I allow God to prepare my heart, I, I, you will walk, I'll tell you what, if you will allow God to prepare your heart this year, you will walk into the same scenarios and the same situations you walked into in 2019, but you'll see them differently and you'll have a different motive and a different response to the same stuff that's been around you the whole time. I want to be prepared. There's a future. There's a hope. He's got plans for me. I want to be prepared. He's put himself in a position of being prepared. There were other times that would say he would go up onto the mountain by himself to what? Pray. What's prayer? He's not up there telling God all the problems he's having down here on earth and why'd you send me to this hell hole and, and, you know, let me tell you about the people I had to deal with today and let me tell you what Peter did. Peter's jumping out of boats. Peter's cussing people out. I got these two brothers over here. He's not telling God all his problems. He's up there on that mountain time getting eyes, that mountain's top, getting isolated, getting separated to get prepared and to hear the heart of God. So when he comes down from the mountain, he can adequately walk out the purpose that God has for his life the thoughts and the plans and the purpose and the future and the hope. Just because the verse is there doesn't mean I walk into it. The verse tells me I've got to prepare myself. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place. (laughs) Isolation will look a lot different to you than it will to others. People will look at your situation and they'll think you're cut off. They'll think that you're lacking. They'll think that you're hurting. They'll feel sorry for you, but you'll be able to respond and say, it's right where I'm supposed to be. 
To you, it might look like isolation. To you, it might look like I'm deserted. To you, it will look like I've been abandoned, but I'm right where I need to be to hear God, to be sensitive to his spirit, to be led by his voice. Amen. So preparation, what, what is preparation for you to others might not look like preparation. It might look like isolation. Why are you being so, why are you separating from us? Why are you doing this? Why? Because I'm getting prepared for something. And where God wants me to go and where he's directing me and leading me and guiding me, I've got to be prepared. I've got to do something different to walk this thing out. So the disciples say, this is a deserted place. And the hour is already late. And Jesus is thinking, no, the hour has just come. We're just getting started, is what Jesus is thinking. Send, look at this, send the multitudes away. See, when you haven't spent time with God, you'll want to send the problems away rather than address the problems he sent to you in the first place. You see the difference. You see the difference between someone that's gone into isolation and gone into preparation. and has set, This is on the back end of him losing his cousin. Murdered. Beheaded. And he's able to see this situation completely different than these disciples. The disciples want to send the problem away. The disciples want to get rid of the issue. The disciples want to just be done with it. We don't want to deal with this. This is a, dirt, this is a deserted place. We don't need to be here. It's too late. It's, it's past time is what they're thinking. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. And that's the next thing that happens, is when you're, when you're not properly prepared, you're going to keep chasing what you think you need around all over the place. I got to go to the village to get it, and I got to go here to get it, and I got to go there to get it. When you could get the answer in the middle of isolation. Could isolation be the place that God wants to get your answer to you? Could isolation not just get an answer to you, get an answer through you and make you a part of the process? Now that's a whole another ball game. That's a whole different situation now. Because now I'm not just believing God to get something to me. I'm believing God to get something through me. I'm, I'm okay being a part of the equation now. I'm okay letting him use me to minister to someone else regardless. Because Jesus... When people should be compassionate and sympathetic towards him, he's the one having compassion for others. Even in the midst of his need, even in the midst of his struggle, even in the midst of his pain, he is still thinking, these people are lost and they need what I have. That's incredible. But it's because he's prepared. And so now Jesus, he's saying, we don't need to go to villages. Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. He's telling, he, he turns it back on the disciples and saying, no, no, no. We're going to, that's it. We're done sending people other places to get their needs met, when we have the power to meet their needs by the Holy Spirit. I wonder how many situations we send people 
because we maybe don't know the answer or don't know how to help them or, or, or you know, it, it, it's okay. I'm a pastor and I, and, 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 and I have no problem doing it. But I have a lot of people that will come to me and uh, there's this person at work and I've been telling them they need to come to church and hear you and they need to come. Yeah, they, they need to get in a good church. They need to find a local body to find a fit with and get plugged into and they need a pastor to shepherd them. But guess what? The first thing you can do is you can help meet their need in the cubicle. There's nothing special about this room. You can lay hands on the sick at the work site, at the job site. Just stop what you're doing. Do you have a moment I can just pray for you right now? Yeah. That's what Jesus is trying to do. Now, you don't need to send them somewhere else to get their need met. You can help assist them and help meet their need right where you're at in the middle of a deserted place, in the middle of a situation that it looks like we're isolated, we're cut off, we're lacking. That's what deserted means. We're, the resources that we need to, to have at our disposal are not available to us. We have to go here to get it. And Jesus will help you find out you're the resource because you're connected to the source. And he can get it through you. They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. Again, when we don't go through proper preparation, we will limit what we do have. But preparation will help you use the resources that you do have at their greatest advantage. That's what preparation will do. See, when you've lived in a deserted place for long enough, you realize you can do more with a lot less. We just covered that a little earlier. Because of Jesus' preparation, he's recognizing, I don't need a lot to get these people fed, a multitude, a crowd. Obviously, we've got numbers, 5,000, not including women and children, 5,000 men that are going to be fed with five loaves and two fish. You can, you can tell someone's level of preparation by what they do when lack shows up. You can tell someone's level of preparation by how they respond to insufficiency. You, can find, you find out real quick when they're, when they're lacking in an area because preparation will train you to do more with less. Preparation will train you to not respond by what you have. You respond by what it can be. Preparation helps you to see potential in stuff. Preparation will help you to see potential in a spouse, potential in a job, potential in a situation, potential. And, and, And that, you know, Joseph, we talked about it on Sunday, what the enemy meant for evil, God turned for good. What's that? That's potential. It had the potential to harm, but instead I believed it had the potential to assist. And now because of what you did out of evilness, it has saved a nation. It has saved our family. It has caused the vision and the purpose of God to come through 
my life? I mean, the whole plan of God hinged on his brothers throwing him in a pit. But that's only because you see the potential. That's only, and and potential doesn't come by accident. You don't see potential. Oh man, I never knew it could do that. I never knew they could do that. I never knew they could be that. I never knew my marriage could operate though. I never, no, potential is drawn out. You've got to pull on potential. Potential has to be placed in the right environment. Seeds don't grow on accident. You don't just drop a seed on the ground and then you don't nurture it and don't take care of it. The only things that grow on accident are weeds. The only thing that grow, the only things that show up on accident or in in environments that are abandoned or not taken care of is the stuff you don't want, is the stuff you have to pluck up later. I should have prevented this from even happening in the first place. But if you want potential to show up, it's gonna demand some intentionality. You're gonna have to pull on that thing. You're gonna have to see it when nobody else does. And so Jesus is looking at five loaves and two fish, but he sees potential in five loaves and two fish. Why? Preparation. The future and the hope that God has for you, that's potential. But what demand are you making on God's potential? How are you drawing that future and that hope out of you? What kind of environments are you placing yourself in so that the potential can rise up? And those environments might look different than what you think they look like. I mean, you take a seed, where does a seed grow? Not on top of the soil, in the soil, underneath the soil. Gone, out of sight, out of mind, beneath the pressures of the dirt and beneath in a dirty place, in a place where, you know, nobody cares about what's going on under there. They only care about it when it's producing something and there's fruit coming off of it. You know, I've said it before. Nobody shows up to cheer on a team at practice, right? Nobody does that. Oh, so-and-so's practicing, Nobody wants to see it. We want to see the Super Bowl, man. We want to see the world. We want to see the championship game. Those are the highest priced tickets. That's what everybody wants to be able to one day say, I was there when so-and-so threw that touchdown, hit that home run, caught that ball, won that game. Nobody cares about preparation. Sure, we we, we care about preparation usually when we didn't prepare. (laughs) No, we, it's, these, it's these times of, of being deserted, isolation, being set apart, set aside that produce that potential. Jesus has a different response. We have here only, only five loaves and two fish. But Jesus says, bring them here to me. Bring them here to me. See, you'll, you'll see resources different. You'll say, I just need a little bit. It's, it's, it's only, no, that's all we need. God can work with that. God can do something with that. Bring it here to me. And what others would discard and what others would devalue and what others would set aside and what others would separate from and what others would say, ah, it's not enough, can't do anything with that. You'll say, bring it here to me. We can do something with that. Bring it here to me, he said. He commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. 
And he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments that remained. And those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. In essence, what God is saying is that I just need you prepared. I need you in a place where you are ready and willing. You know, there, there's only so much we can do with our hands. Have you ever noticed that? you ever just come to the end of what your physical ability or your physical resource is? There's only so much. I mean, I, I tell the wealthiest person in our church, the wealthiest person on this planet, I don't care how much you give to this church. It's not enough to accomplish the vision that God, because God's not limited by that. It's always bigger, always bigger. And sometimes I think we, we allow that to cause more frustration in our life than it, ought, than it should cause excitement in our life to say, man, this is what I have to bring and God is still able to do something greater than what I can bring to the table. No, I don't want to dumb down God's vision to my resources. I want to get my faith beyond my resources, beyond my ability, beyond what I can do, and watch him do the rest. But sometimes we have this idea, you know, if I'll come this much, God will come this much. No, God wants you to give all that you have, and then he shows up. Five loaves and two fish. And they easily could have held back and say, well, you know, let me keep some for me. And then you can have the rest. No, God, I'm unloading it all. I'm giving it all. Isn't that what God did for us? Did he unload all that he had for you and I? His only begotten son. He withheld nothing. There was nothing about Jesus dying on the cross where God said, well, you know, if we lose that one, that's okay. I've got more in the back. No. He said, this is all that I have. And all he's asking from you is all. That's all. That's all he's asking is all that we have. Amen. But when we give it to him, it gets blessed. It gets multiplied. And he ends up showing up on top of it and doing, I mean, anybody want leftovers this year? I don't know about you. I, I'm, I'm, I don't even want a year where I get to December 31st and said, man, got back to zero. We're not in the, no, I want surplus. I want favor. I want the extravagance of God to show up in my life this year. I want him to go above and beyond, show himself strong, show himself mighty. I've got so much left over. Who else can I bless with this? I mean, we just fed 15 to 20,000 people here. Who else can we give some of this food away? We got 12 baskets full of, of leftovers, doggy bags just going out. They're now, they could take it to the village and feed the village. Isn't that amazing? Now you can be a resource to the very place you thought you had to go 
to get it in the first place. This is what God wants to do in our lives, but it comes through preparation. There's only so much I can do with my hands, but let me tell you something. God is looking more at what we do with our heart. What's on the inside? I've got to prepare my heart. I've got to prepare my heart for what God wants to do. I've got to prepare what's going on on the inside, my trusting, my believing, my faith. I don't know about you, I want to grow in faith this year. I want stronger faith, strengthened faith, faith that sees the impossible, faith that sees the immediate, faith that sees the purpose and the plan of God, faith that sees the word lived out in people's lives. Come to fruition. Let this thing be real this year. I want to believe stronger and deeper and bigger than I ever have in 2020. I want to get there this year. And then 2021 will come and I want to increase my faith that year. I'll never outgrow it. That's, That's stuff on the inside. That's the stuff on the inside that he is wanting to do. Readiness puts the capacity for, for success in your hands. Being ready. Readiness puts the capacity for success in your hands. I want to be ready. I'm telling you right now, God's speaking to some people this year, and he's telling you to develop new gifts or new abilities that you've either been putting off or that you never thought you could do. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is for you. Maybe you've never written anything and he's calling you to write something. Maybe you've never sung before, but he's calling you to work on that. Maybe you've never, I don't know, run a business. And he's saying, this is the year. God, I don't know anything. He didn't ask you to know. He asked you to obey. I don't know what that is this year. So now what? Readiness puts the capacity for success in my hands. But beyond my readiness, yeah, you might need need to go get one of those blankety-blank books for dummies. Running a business for dummies. Computer courses for dummies. Piano courses for dummies. Singing courses. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever you could do naturally, do it. But you can't rely on that. Because outside of my readiness, now I need my willingness. And willingness puts the capacity for my success in God's hands. Readiness puts the capacity for success in my hands. I got to get ready. I got to get prepared. How can I get better at this? How can I do better with this? How can I do with this? Whatever. But then beyond that, now I got to be willing. Oh, I've, I've, I've had scenarios in my life where I was obedient, but I wasn't necessarily willing. The Bible says it's the willing and obedient that will eat the fruit of the land. Some of us can look back and say, God, I obeyed you. Now what? God, oh, I obeyed, I obeyed you. And he's looking back saying, yeah, that was five years of obedience, but five years where you were pushing against me the whole time. You weren't willing. You're unwilling. Sure, you obeyed. I heard someone say this past week, and it was powerful. When we do the wrong thing, 
Sometimes we sin when we do the right thing, but with the wrong motives. Pharisees and Sadducees. Yeah. I don't, I don't know about you. I, I want to do what God tells me to do for the same reason he tells me to do it. That's when your heart is truly aligned with God. That's when your purpose is truly aligned. God, I'm not doing this for me, not for my fame, not for my finance, not for uh, uh, notoriety, not to, to check off another box. I'm doing it because this is your heart and I want to reveal your heart and I want to be aligned with your heart. My mission is your mission. My purpose is your purpose. Not my will, but your will. So the willingness is the component sometimes we leave out. We got, we'll spend all day long telling God how ready we are and how obedient we are. And he'll respond back with, but when are you going to get willing? Okay, God, if you tell me to do it, I'll do it. No. No, he wants a willing heart. Readiness and willingness. And so we've got to recognize that this preparation, this preparation is what gets, out, gets us in a posture where the future the hope, the good, the plans, the thoughts, those things that God has for us, they come to fruition. How are you gonna get yourself ready this year? How are you gonna get yourself willing this year? What are you gonna do to get yourself in a position of preparation for what's ahead? Who knows what's ahead? Sometimes you're preparing and you don't even know what you're preparing for. Just just get ready. Get ready, amen? Look at your neighbor, say, get ready. Get ready, get prepared. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family, You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.